When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the E podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Justin Cohn from the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. I had uh, my nice chubby face on the, the start of SportsCenter uh, in the Pierre-Luc Dubois scrum. Um, oh, wow. I got, oh, it was the worst because, uh, you know, when you leave the locker room, you got text saying, oh, my God, you're on Sports Center," which sounds fun. But then when you look at it, it's me and my uncomfortable face red as a tomato trying to move away from it. So, uh, yeah, that's how my uh, day started. I had one of those last week uh, on a smaller scale because it was not Sports Center, but the local, know, the local, the yeah. local TV stations were it was the opening of training camp and they were trying to highlight the the excitement of a media day and what they always tend to do is show me interviewing players because that's I, funny I, I qualify as <laughs> whatever that image but in this particular one they shot me from behind interviewing the goalie and that bald spot when you see it oh, on God. tv it's so much worse blinding <laughs> it really was so I, I think i actually um tweeted out something like uh just ignore the the 14 yeah. second mark of this video. <laughs> yeah, fake news. It's a deep fake. But yeah, when I used to cover the NFL, I used to I used to see myself like, you know, I hey, that's my that's my hand right there. Right, yeah, yeah. Hand, right next phone. to Peyton Manning. That's my recorder. Back when we used recorders. You know? yeah, like, exactly. It's uh yeah, it's, it comes with the territory. Um so let's start out talking about Maria Fujimagari's weekend with the Wings. She had a uh you know, Decent stint there, uh, replacing Jonathan Lemieux after two periods. And uh, what were your thoughts on how it all played out? So there's a lot to talk about here from a media coverage perspective, I guess. But, yeah, you know, look, I thought this was a very first time there's been a regular season game played by a woman. Well, well, this was preseason. This was preseason. Sorry, my mistake. Yeah. So in answer to your question, there have been two women who have played regular season ECHL games. That was Manon Rayom and mm-hmm. Aaron Witten, but that was back in the 1990s. So one could certainly say something like this was long overdue to have, um, you know, a, a women's hockey player try to make it with a team. I thought this was a very positive story to shine light on women's hockey and just a whole a host of issues. So in their second preseason game, Saturday night, Kalamazoo's at home. They're playing Toledo. Uh, they have a one-goal lead, and they put Mariah in in the third period, and she gives up a few goals, uh, ends up with 14 saves on 17 shots, uh, but Brad Morrison of Kalamazoo forces overtime with 441 remaining. Eric Bradford scores the winner in overtime, and Wing Stadium goes ballistic. So Fujimagari has the overtime preseason victory. Um, there is a, if you look at the videos, huge excitement from the players. 
huge embrace with, I, I believe it was uh, Bradford after scoring the goal, kind of racing down ice and, and hugging Puja McGarry. So, you know, look, this was a great story. It got a lot of attention. Here's where it gets weird, though. So she gets released on Monday. Uh, I could be wrong on this. As far as I could tell, I was the first one to kind of report this. And it was a simple one-sentence tweet. Mariah Fujimagari has been released. The vitriol that ensued on Twitter slash X because of this was kind of staggering to me. Um, And I think the lesson is... Uh, maybe they didn't explain the situation well enough. Mm-hmm. I think most of us within the ECHL fray knew she was not going to make the team. This was an opportunity to shed a light on women's hockey, to you know have a, a different kind of voice in in camp. I mean, I'm not in Kalamazoo, so I'm, I'm guessing on some of this. Um, but you know, I, I there was no part of me at any point that thought she's got a chance of making the team. Uh, for a litany of reasons, the biggest being, you know, it's an NHL developmental league um, and Kalamazoo needs to have a really good season. So just vitriol from people, you know, going from loving the wings to hating the wings, you know, how dare you milk this story and then do her dirty like this. I mean, a lot of comments like that. And my takeaway and again, I say this every now and again, as somebody who teaches PR for sports, teaches media relations people, teaches crisis management too. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot about controlling the narrative. And unless I've missed it, I still haven't seen anything from Kalamazoo on their social media or on their webpage explaining this. And this had become such a big story that I think, you know, you just say, look, um, we loved having her. This was a great experience for everybody. Um, you know, we just, you know, however you explain yourself, you know, look, we've got NHL contracted goalies or, or whatever. Uh, but when you just leave it out there like this, you let people spin it their own way, especially all these people who are not in the know on the way ECHL rostering works and things like that. So I, I may not be explaining it well, but I, it, it, Right now, at least if you go on social media, which of course we shouldn't do, it, it went from this great feel-good story to all of a sudden people hating the Wings. And I'm like, the Wings were the ones that invited her there mm-hmm. when no other team has done this for decades, right? And you're going to hate them because they cut her after playing her in a preseason game. It's just, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of tears, I guess, of this. Yeah, fair. I'm curious. I couldn't find online. Does she have her rights owned by any team in the PWHL? I, I don't honestly know. I, I know you had said she she hadn't been drafted when we were talking about her. Right. No, yeah. Ago. And so I, she's not listed with the team. So I wonder if I mean, especially with especially with women's hockey as a whole getting their their stuff together and, and having one league. I mean, I'm assuming right. her sights are set on on that and and, and being there. Right. I mean, look, I, I have a teenage daughter. I mean, I, I, you know, I watch things like this. I'm inspired. I hope she's inspired. And I just looked at this like, hey, this is this is great. They brought her in. She's doing well in this game. She had a couple of nice saves. Mm-hmm. She wins it in overtime. And then it's gone the other way. And I just I, I don't exactly know why that is, except for they could have controlled the narrative a little bit better 
in releasing her, but maybe I'm just missing some facet of the story. But if you go to my Twitter and you find just my simple one sentence tweet, she's been released. I mean, the quote tweets are just like, wow, like hatred. And I'm like, I mean, this, this should be inspiring for people. I, I don't get that part of it. Yeah, fair enough. It's awesome that you got the win. And, uh, you know, I'm curious, I think, you know, especially when you're talking about e-bugs and stuff, when you're going down the line of, of who should, because with e-bugs, right, I'm not saying that as like a demeaning way. I'm more so, I mean, when you're looking at e-bug situations, like, okay, who is the best non-pro goalie at our disposal that we could put in uh, on a moment's notice? I think women should definitely be candidates for that. Because if you look at 100%. Some, like some yeah, of the people I mean, are putting in, like absolutely a woman should be in line with something like that, where it's, it's, we need the best goalie of you know we're in a dire situation we the best goalie in our vicinity women you know the top women goaltenders are just in that tier as well in terms of yeah i, I think you're really on to something there and, and that's exactly what i was just starting to think too is like look you, you never know like you whoever it is you come in you make a good showing not just in camp but in a preseason game i mean fort wayne just had a guy named parker rutherford and he's from here and he's supposed to play in the federal hockey league so i mean he wasn't going to make the team and there's some similarities here because people are like, oh, hopeful that he would make the team. And then he gets released without playing a game. And people are like, oh, you know, like, why even bring him in? And it's like, well, you know, you 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 take a look at somebody. Um, you It's good for them. It gets it on their resume. It gets them the experience. And you just never know. You always need the e-bugs at this level. And a lot of times it's just some, you know, <laughs> beer hockey player who happened to be available who's sitting down the street. But now maybe this opens people's eyes to a whole other um, pool of players that can be used. Because I'm sure ECHL teams at no point were sitting here thinking, well, we need an e-bug. Why are we just looking at like the local colleges? Why aren't we looking at women's players? But may maybe now because of this with Kalamazoo, maybe that opens up that idea a little bit. I, I don't know. But I think you're on to something. And, you know, I'd like to see more of this. I don't think this was like a publicity stunt. I think this was a genuine attempt to do something good, to motivate players, to give her uh, an opportunity to show what she can do, to, to um, give some visibility to women's hockey, a lot of things. Um, and it just kind of spiraled on Monday. And that was a little bit disappointing, I guess, to me. Yeah, that's the first time anything's ever gone overboard on Twitter. So that's right. <laughs> yeah. I look, I'm probably, look, I, I, I'm sure. And I hope most people really look at this as a positive thing, but yeah, you can just definitely go down the, uh, the cesspool of, of my Twitter account and get lost in that. Absolutely. So this is the 10th ECHL season since it absorbed uh, the re remainder of the central hockey league, the CHL. So if we say CHL, we're not talking about the Canadian hockey league. We're talking about the now defunct central hockey league. Now, with, with that happening, it consolidated double-A minor league hockey a decade ago. Is the is the hockey world better with that sort of uh, absorption of the two leagues? You know, we had, uh, you know, the IHL and AHL merge for the AAA level. And then the Central Hockey League, as we said, with the ECHL, is it for the betterment of the pro development pipeline? First of all, I can't believe it's been nine years since the Central Hockey League went away. Uh, so I covered that league for... A couple of years. Um, Fort Wayne actually won the championship in that league and then came to the ECHL. Uh, in answer to your question, I'm not entirely sure that it's better. Um, you know, I, I tend to believe that, first of all, competition can be a really good thing. 
And there was competition between those leagues in some ways in terms of, you know, vying for players and, mm-hmm. um, you know, get, there were guys bouncing a little bit back and forth between the ECHL and the CHL and the second iteration of the IHL. So this is not a complaint by any stretch of the imagination, but there were differences. And when I look back, not just to the Central League, but particularly the, the second IHL and the UHL, the United Hockey League, these were all double A tiers competing. And at that time, the ECHL was, of course, the one that was in bed with the NHL. It had this very much at the time a perception, oh, it's it's much better. We're much better than you in the in the Central League, the United Hockey League, you know, very that. Yes, it was very the, everybody was, was very was in that voice, too. Everybody was very snooty about the ECHL hockey. Okay. And the reality was <laughs> the hockey in the in the United Hockey League, the hockey in the Central Hockey League, like a lot of in a lot of respects, it was better. And the reason it was better was because they had a, a bigger prioritization on older players, on some of those veteran players. And those are and that's why I'm kind of like hesitant to say. We're all better now because what we're doing is we're pushing out those guys who are above the age of, let's say, 28. Um, Here's a good example. Anthony Petrozelli, Comets captain last year. This is his first year as a vet. And guys like, so he ended up going to Europe. Justin, a veteran, by the way, is a player that has played over 274 professional games, just for people who are listening, right? 260. 260. 260. 260 regular season games. Yeah. And and not all leagues in Europe count, but let's not get into that. Um, So Petrozelli becomes a veteran. And because of that, his, he gets some more freedom in terms of teams cannot squat on his rights. You know, they can make him a qualifying, qualifying offer, but he can still get out of it. But because you're limited on the number of veterans and because they typically cost more, when you reach that demarcation point, it becomes a little bit more difficult to find employment in this league. Now, I'm not going to say anybody's going to sit there and cry poverty about it. But when you go back 10, 15 years, if you were an older player like that, and I mean, we're talking 28, you're not ancient, um, you had all kinds of opportunities. You could go play in one of these many teams that was in Michigan, or you could play out West, I mean, in the Central League. I mean, there's all kinds of places you could play. You could make money. The fans there would get high-quality hockey, and the emphasis was less on developing NHL players and more on just having good, exciting, fun hockey. Like independent baseball leagues, like minor leagues? or Sort of, yeah. Not, Not the worst. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, I think the one thing is, you know, there were still prospects. Okay. Just that wasn't the emphasis. Um, So I do kind of look around sometimes and, you know, there's little hot button issues. We've mentioned some of them, things like the all-star game where it's just, it's all about the prospects and it's not always about, let's just have the best product we can put on the ice. And so I don't think another double A league is ever going to pop up and successfully challenge the ECHL or anything like that. But you ask, are we in a better place now? And I think kind of mostly yes, but there are times that I really miss those leagues because they really did have something to offer. Um, Just a couple little pieces of history, just so people listening, if they don't understand. So uh, by the time the CHL ended, there was a handful of remaining teams. 
Allen, Rapid City, Quad City, Tulsa, Wichita, Missouri, which is now the Kansas City Mavericks, and Brampton, they all joined the ECHL. And they played in what was just an old CHL division. It was the Central Division. So, which was really weird if you go back and look at the standings that year, because teams that should have been in the Central, like Fort Wayne, were actually out in the North. Um, so they kind of didn't know what to do with that. There are two original Central Hockey League teams from 1992 that are actually still playing. That's the Tulsa Oilers and the Wichita Thunder. Um, how good was the quality of play by comparison? Here's the simplest way I can explain it. The Allen Americans won the CHL Cup, which I believe was the President's Cup, in 2013 and 2014. They joined the ECHL and they win the first two Kelly Cups in the league that they were in. And that really shut up a lot of people immediately about how much better the ECHL was than the CHL because these CHL teams came in with a different sort of roster construction and they did really well immediately. So I know it's a long-winded answer, but I, I just, I look back at these and I'm like, you know, there was great things and they, that void hasn't necessarily been filled. If you wanted a league and here's another thing, travel costs. I mean, we're, Sometimes it, it looks a little scary the way we're going with the nationwide ECHL, you know, the travel costs, you know, the IHL two, which was came out of the ashes of the UHL and then eventually got absorbed by the CHL. It's whole idea was we want to just be in the Midwest and not have to make these, these long trips. And that way we can keep the cost down and put it all into the players, put it all into the product. And it was awesome there were some problems. There wasn't enough teams. And some people thought that Fort Wayne, you know, wielded too much power and they might have uh, in terms of running the league. But in terms of keeping the cost down and everything, it really did work. And everything was a short bus trip and the rivalries were great. You were playing the same teams and everybody hated each other. And you can make the argument, the more you play teams, the actually, actually the harder it gets. You know, right. uh, some people say it gets easier. No, the harder it gets. Uh, one last thing I want to leave you with, though. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Is um, yeah. Now that we've got a tiered system is we shouldn't forget the SPHL and how they play into this. So there were all these double A hockey leagues. So now the ECHL is the double A hockey league. And because it's more structured now, the SPHL is the I'll call it the high A league. The SPHL was born out of what was the Atlantic Coast Hockey League and the World Hockey Association 2, which, by the way, why can't we ever come up with new names? Like, yeah, like, I agree. Oh, IHL 2, USFL, XL, XFL. I mean, just come up with something new. But I, I remember that the World Hockey Association 2 was such a strange thing. But odd. this is all been, I think, positive for the SBHL because now they know and they they sort of were strengthened by the death of the CHL as well. Now they are the clear feeder tier for the ECHL. There isn't necessarily the strong relationship with the NHL and all that stuff. But, you know, if you're looking for structure, you're looking for tiers and it, it to be more understandable. Yeah, we're in a better place. But for, if you're a real hockey heavy person, eh, not all the time. Fair enough. Absolutely. I mean, any, any decision like that is going to come with, not a, I don't want to say a consequence, but yeah, at the expense of some of the pros. But you know, it, it at the end of the day, if you want to have 
the quality of competition competition and talent being filtered through you probably had to go this route in terms of consolidating it and making a more clear pipeline i would say i just i feel for the guy that's like you know a 33 year old maybe played a game or two in the nhl that kind of guy he still wants to play you know yeah. where does he go you know Europe. Europe. but what if you don't that's what i'm saying though you got a family you know, you got a wife and kids. You don't want to go to Europe for any number of reasons. And you're saying that this person is being, this hypothetical person is being priced out or their veteran status yeah, is taking them is, out of the running for the ECHL. It is the rare ECHL team that's necessarily going to consider a guy like that. And 15 years ago, you had tons of options. You could easily keep playing into your late 30s if you wanted to. You know, you could find a place. And now I, you just can't find it. Like TJ Hensick, you know, one of the best players in the league the last few years, former NHL player. I mean, he he had a great situation. He was able to play in Toledo. I believe he was commuting in from Detroit. But that's wow. the exception now to the rule. And 10, yes. 15 years ago, there were tons of those guys. They wanted to keep playing. PC Druins of the world. And now I just think we've, we've I don't priced out is maybe – the word but developmentally <laughs> you know developmental them out of it you know because that's what the echl is about right and it's just hard to find spots for those guys because we're trending younger and we're trending towards and eh, we do we even need vets i mean i mean a lot of teams are like eh, do we even need a, a single vet so i just i kind of feel for that guy and th they brought great hockey Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's shift over to Matt Tompkins making his NHL debut, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tompkins, a goalie, played for the Indy Fuel in the 2017-18-2019 season. He went 40-28-7 with a 3.17 goals against average and a 9.07 save percentage and two shutouts. In the AHL, he was pretty solid as well. He played in Sweden the last couple of years, and he played for Canada in the 2022 Olympics recently. Nice to see him be the first ECHL alum and make his NHL debut for this season. Yeah, I mean, here I am talking about the negatives of being a developmental league. Exactly. Here, here's the positive. Um, you know, this is cool. I like I saw a lot of Matt Tompkins because Indy would play Fort Wayne. Uh, I'll be honest, I never sat there and looked at him and said, that guy's going to be in the NHL someday. I mean, I was like, yeah, solid ECHL goalie. Uh, you look at those AHL numbers and they're kind of eh. So I think what this tells us is you can't judge an ECHL goalie by the stats always. Oh, I would agree. Um, I mean, I, I was getting messages uh, preseason. Fort Wayne was playing the Iowa Heartlanders. And uh, I think it was, let's see, they got two Joneses. So I think it was Hunter Jones. Um, and he was playing great, you know, and I had a, a former – uh goalie you know messaging me like this guy is not an ECHL goalie like what is he doing here and I'm like you know it's it's tough you know like he's great but sometimes you get saddled where you, you get a bad defense in front of you and I'm sure 
I don't, no matter how many scouts are watching you at some point, it, you know, they see you let in too many goals. It's, it's got to reflect. So Matt Tompkins was on some okay indie teams, but you know, sometimes there's guys and you're like, that guy will be in the NHL, like Ukapeka Lukanen. Like there's an example. Like I was like, saw him for one period. I'm like, NHL goal. <laughs> yeah. I didn't necessarily see that with Matt Tompkins. And when you see him go to the Europe for a while too, you wonder. Um, but you know, it's well, another, yeah. Well, I, sorry, not to cut you off, but I'm just, I think it also shows a big reason why we see guys from the E go to the NHL is, is twofold for, for starters, there's only two goalies per roster. So once injuries happen, you know, you're going up and there's more of a chance for this sort of thing to happen. And secondly, just, which is further to that is because there's only two goalies and the margin of, of air between an AHL and ECHL goalie traditionally isn't that wide if you really think about it opportunity can be so like it can be fleeting in one sense but it also be a catalyst to a guy's career so you know matt Tompkins also could have gotten better in that swedish league he could have improved through those years but i think what you're saying with the stats is true because the echl is a chaotic league like on the ice like in terms of what goalies are seeing so the the numbers are kind of misleading says the guy who Brought goal saved against average the ECHL. Well, and, and this was a weird, you know, this was Tampa and Vasilevsky is injured. So that's what opened, of course, you know, the door for him to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could read into numbers. I mean, goalies are sort of, you're right. There is not much difference between a, a good ECHL goalie and an AHL goalie, in, in my opinion, you know, and we've talked about before they mature a little bit uh, later. There's no question the, uh, that's where the talent is in terms of NHL prospects at this level. Um, you know, I was going to bring this up. Let's see here. Do you know how many? Oh God. Former. Not me. No, no, no. Yeah. You're the one that loves to ask me these trivia questions. I know, but it's worrying. funny. It's more fun in my position. Okay. Go well, ahead. that's, that's probably true. So here's my question. Do you know how many former ECHL players would you guess we're on NHL opening day rosters. This is a thing you put into chat GBT, Justin, by the way, not something you ask your friends. Um, how many, like the total number? Yeah. On opening day rosters, how many former ECHL players? And former, actually, we're, we're constituting as played one game, right? We're just talking yes, about. Yes. I actually saw this press release and I was like, that cannot be right. And I went through and counted it. Behold, it was right. So there's your hint. Okay, I'm going to say my guess, okay. but I think it's going to be wrong, obviously. And 102? You overshot it, so I'm impressed. Uh, 72. I was very surprised the number was that high, to be honest with you. Yeah, one in seven NHL players, or one in eight, would be a little insane. So 72 uh, makes more sense. A, a better question is how many could you name? <laughs> oh, my God. Here, let me teach you a little lesson. When people ask you this question, when in doubt, just say Jordan Bennington. <laughs> yeah, true. Harbor Haggy. <laughs> whenever, whenever somebody asks me something like that, I'm just like Jordan Bennington. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good reflex, honestly. Yeah, um, I mean, big goalie. Yeah, you, I, you'd probably get more than I would. I Give me I, one team. Give me one team, and I will tell you the former ECHL players. Just uh, give me one NHL team. Toronto Maple Leafs. Toronto Maple Leafs, of course. You but for all we know, you're Googling it right now. Oh, we are. No, oh, well, yeah. I have the I have the release up. No, I don't, I don't know any of these guys. <laughs> like, I, you would you would do better than I would. <laughs> Let's see. Um, 
Timothy Lilligren, Bobby You're McCann, right. yep. and okay. Ryan Reeves. Surprisingly, you would think that Toronto would have like a staggering number because of the growlers, but theirs is, is very modest. New York Rangers. Let's try that. We'll move on after this. I'm now I'm just- another another one. They've only got one. <laughs> they have Jonathan Quick played in Reading okay. in 2007 8. Although head coach Peter Laviolette was in uh, Wheeling. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. A lot, most of these guys were not like necessarily e- there for a long time. They weren't here for a long time. I wouldn't even classify them as like ECHL stars or anything like that, which yeah. is a little bit different than baseball to me because, like, I don't know, maybe it's just the market I'm in, but when Padres prospects come through Fort Wayne, like they always like they tear it up here. And, and they like, kind of know, yeah, they know the names. And, like, yeah. Like Fernando Tatis, Trey Turner. Like, even if they're here for, it's just like a month. You're like, Oh, you like, yeah. you always remember those jerseys. But, like if there's momentum uh-huh. to it for sure. Yeah. But now Fort Wayne's got like former comet Braden Pahal is in the NHL. I'm like, I doubt the typical comet fan even yeah. remembers him being here. Right. So that's a little bit different, but uh, good, good stuff for the ECHL there. That was a, a high number. I will admit higher than I expected. Let's go to our team of the week, the South Carolina Stingrays. Uh, for our team of the week this year, we like to highlight a different ECHL team every week. So it's not like a reward, like this is the team of the week, the best team. It's more so the team that we're going to profile this week. Um, the Stingrays are the NHL affiliate of the Washington Capitals and the AHL affiliate of the Hershey Bears. Yeah, so people who have listened to the show for a while will remember that, you know, the Stingrays and I, you know, they let me down a little bit. That was, that was my Kelly cup pick last year. Um, they got bounced in the first round by the Florida Everblades, but in hindsight, that doesn't look that bad because the Everblades won the Kelly cup. And I believe so South Carolina took them to six games, which I think was more than anybody else did. So in hindsight, you know, maybe there was something to that, but, uh, what I always like about the Stingrays is they've got a great coach. Brendan Kotick is a young coach. Uh, I saw him a lot as a player in Toledo. Um, just gets it. Really fields a team that is uh, exciting, physical, responsible defensively. They obviously have a good working relationship with their affiliates, and that does well for them. Um, they're in the South Division, which you know I believe is the league's strongest. And this season, I think it's going to be even stronger than last year's. So I'm not sure yet where I would have them penciled in, probably third in the league. Uh, but just a couple guys to tell you about. They recently signed Peter Deliberator. He's a defenseman. We've talked about him on the show before. Uh, he was a sixth round Vegas Golden Knights draft pick in 2018. So last year when we talked about him, he was with the Savannah Ghost Pirates. He had three assists in 18 games. He also played in the AHL with Wilkes-Barre Scranton and Henderson had two goals and five points in 30 games. If he spends any length of time at this level, he should be a premier two-way defenseman. He's not the biggest, six feet, 185 pounds. He's still only 23. You can queue up some of his clips from when he played at Quinnipiac in college. Very good player. Really nice late addition for them. Uh, they've got some nice guys from the AHL forward. Tyson Empe is one that I really like. He scored a bunch in college. He played at SUNY. I'm going to get this wrong. Geneseo. Um, you look up his stats, good stats. Michael Kim 
was a guy that I loved last year on defense, uh, nine goals and 40 points from the blue line. And forward Josh Wilkins is one of the league's best. He had 21 goals and 62 points last year in just 62 games. He's a Providence College product. Funny because he's one of those guys that, you know, wasn't the biggest scorer in college. And you could, and sometimes you just can't tell. Sometimes the stats just don't translate until you see him at this level. And the last thing I'll leave you with South Carolina, the goaltending. Now, we're not entirely sure who's going to end up there. I think it's going to be this. Mitchell Gibson, he's a really interesting prospect out of Harvard. Yeah. He was, yeah, 18 7 and 2 with a 225 goals against, 919 save percentage, and three shutouts last season. He was a fourth round Washington Capitals draft pick in 2018. They also have Garen Bjorklund. I think he could probably go a little bit more back and forth with the AHL. He is also a nice prospect. Um, so whoever they get, whether they get both of those guys, whether they get one of those guys, that seems to be really good. But looking up Mitchell Gibson, educating myself a little bit about him, he seems like a really exciting prospect for them. Yeah, Mitchell Gibson had three straight years with like exceptional stats in the in the NCAA. Like he was a 916 his first year, a 918 his second year, and 919 his third year. That is very hard to do. Like that is a legitimate NHL prospect you're talking about there. So that'll that'll be interesting to monitor. I will also say we should have given the disclaimer uh, that these predictions are have the chance to go south because us predicting the goalie of an ECHL team is is as uh, ambitious as our like. Pre, or preseason storylines to be honest with you yeah you just you just never know you never know who's going to be there day to day week to week but sometimes you can get a gauge at least uh but you know training camp rosters those are a particularly wild thing i mean i'm in fort wayne right now there are 11 guys on nhl or ahl contracts so i've been joking that it's newfoundland southwest um <laughs> It sounds great because you're like, look at all the talent, but it's like, what if they all get called up in a week? <laughs> well, yeah, and, I mean, it's funny. Like South Carolina is another example. Like the relationship they have, you mentioned how it's a, a tight one um, with Hershey. It's also very much so kind of a goalie factory. We saw Clay Stevenson last year come through there. He's now regular with Hershey. You, they just see, like, I think Brain Holtby as well, I'm pretty sure was in South Carolina when he was a, a Capitals prospect. There's definitely a track record there of them uh, bringing guys to the ranks that play between the pipes. Well, Before, and, and former yeah. coach Spencer Carberry just got his of first. Oh, yeah, of course. Too. Yeah. Of course. I was thinking just goalies, but you're very right. Um, all right. So before we, kick, we wrap up today's show, let's get into a continuation of our usual standoff about fighting. Well, I guess I'm, I, I definitely don't want to fight with you again about fighting. Because you're, you're a, a pacifist. Because you're, a, I was, yes, I love that word for you. You're a pacifist, um, but I did hear from some listeners, okay. And I wanted to just throw out two things about what one in particular, just about what. Okay, we, I'm, yeah, yes. All right. So the first one, this was really interesting because what your point, which was a valid one, we were talking about how you now get a game misconduct if you um, have a fight right off a of face-off. Yes, and I, right. I was not pleased with that because it seemed too subjective to me. And you have the great term for it, which is they're trying to get rid of staged fighting. A, a, a listener brought up a situation to me, and I, I think I know what you're going to say, but I, it's a good story anyway, so I should tell it. So I, I forget the year. It's probably seven years ago. Fort Wayne's best player at that time was Sean Sidlowski. Um, I believe this was 
maybe the year before he won leading score at MVP. Not important. One of the league's top players is Sean Sidlowski. They are playing at Toledo. Toledo, one of its top players is A.J. Jenks. So this is a hugely important game. A.J. Jenks hits Sidlowski, leaves his feet, knee on knee, blows out Sidlowski's knee, and I believe there was no penalty on the play either. I, I could be wrong on this. I think there was no penalty. I think maybe he got a game. I'd have to look that up. So Sidlowski is now done for the year. And these are the two biggest rivals in the whole league, frankly. And so now, of course, everybody's sitting here thinking on this and stewing on this for six, seven months until they play again. And lo and behold, the first time they play is in Toledo. And what do you think happens? Sidlowski, who is an old school player, and Jenks, who is an old school player, they're like, we got to drop the gloves. We have to fight. Let's just get it over with. And they do. And once that fight was over, this was never really brought up again, except for media types like me. A very hockey thing from people for people of my age, you know, like something that lingers forever. And Back in my day. Let's just settle it. And it was good for the fans. And right. nobody was hurt by this. And... Sidlowski had to get out of his aggression, and Jenks knew he had to kind of answer for this pretty dirty hit. Under the new rules, those guys would be booted. And that's what this reader was, or listener, excuse me, was, was kind of bringing up. Like, you know, like a situation like that. Everybody in the world knew this fight had to happen. Let's just get it over with. Good for the fans. Nobody was hurt. Why would you eject guys for that? Because doesn't that, in some sense, make it worse? That, that was their point. I guess I'm wondering what you think of that you're okay with just booting guys for a situation like that or this is so rare that who cares just, just wait just wait until you take three strides in the neutral zone touch up isn't pop, that still staged chip it in chip it in uh yeah, yeah. run route then the second you intersect with this player on the ice whack him on the shin pads you're in this for a pass like me and drop the gloves the reason that you don't need to do it off the draw is because of like the reason they're taking this out from my understanding, is because stage fights, which is what they're trying to take out, we all know what those look like. We all know what it is. It becomes WWE Raw real quick. So just they want it to be more organic. You pretend to be organic. I don't care. I just don't like. Is it that hard to ask a bunch of hockey players to skate first before they punch each other in the face? I mean, it just feels like tomato, tomato to me. I mean, whether it's four seconds after or whether it's right on stage is stage. But Okay. I still can't get over you last time being so fixated on the intricacies of if it's like a three second ratio between the, the <laughs> puck dropping and like what's a stage fight where in my head I'm like, I want to shake my computer I, screen. I cannot wait until I, I guaranteed you it's going to happen. I cannot I, wait till that happens. And, so, and I'm going to be like sending you the video and be like, look at this. Like, is this the intent of the rule? But maybe you're right. Let well, me give you a quick. Yeah. Well, one little footnote to that story, sure. because you probably don't know this. So AJ Jenks ends up playing in Fort Wayne. They end up being teammates. And here's what I learned. I did this huge story on it. it one of the better stories I think I've done. It turned out they were great friends, like childhood friends. Like they had played on teams together. They had played against each other. It was like people never really knew this. And of course, you know, now they're on a 
opposing teams, they weren't really close anymore or anything like that. But when they were kids, they were, okay? So then this whole thing happens and there's huge rivals. And A.J. Jenks ends up playing here in, I guess it was, he was supposed to play in the, in the, well, I guess he came in the in the 2019-20 season, I think. And then he ended up captaining them to the 2021 Cup. So they were teammates and they were like close. And it was like so weird because they had this moment where Jenks had blown out Sidlowski's knee. And, and like this very famous ECHL thing. Like this is a really famous thing because people who bag on ECHL discipline and suspensions this is always what they go to. They always go back to the Jenks Sadlowski hit and every suspension since then has been compared to that. Like, how does that only get, you know, I, I wish I remembered the games and now this only gets, you know, five games. Um, so it's a big thing for ECHL people, but I, I love that story that they were friends as kids, blew out his knee, hated each other, fought. Now they're teammates, win a championship together. Now we're good. Like I always, whenever I hear stories like that, where there's like people that are friends, like not even just former teammates or whatever. And, and then they drop the gloves, whatever you see it a lot, right? Ryan Reeves and whoever he fought recently uh, was, they, you know, talk in the hallway after you see it all the time. But to me, the stories where it's like, they were childhood friends and their parents were friends. Can you imagine two players or parents are like up together to stand sitting, catching up, having a beer. And then their, their, their kids are trading blows on the ice fight like what are you are you rooting like yeah or are you just like looking in horror like how do you do that as a parent that's a weird one to me to think right about. yeah <laughs> just, like talk about awkward like if, yeah. if everyone did you have to fight the guy that's parents that were sitting beside oh yeah oh yeah like, yeah i mean there's <laughs> there's all kinds of things with guys fighting with their parents in the stands and like what's mom doing like it's all really kinds don't. of weird stuff you're right never a um, moment so one last thing from our our um i guess i had posted I think this started with um, an NHL um, fight that had happened. I, I try to remember how this started. There's a fight in the in a, in a Red Wing game, and Mickey Redmond had said, I, I, there was a big hit, and then there's a fight. And Mickey Redmond says on the broadcast, I'll never understand why you feel you have to go fight a guy because a clean hit was doled out. Was this the one last night with Columbus or a couple nights ago? I think it was two nights ago. Two yes. nights. I think it was Good Branson and someone on Detroit. Yeah, it was uh, Good Branson and Klim Costin. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, so I tweeted something about that, and then it I, it sort of came into our fighting conversation at the ECHL. So our friend DJ Abacella and Wheeling said, you know, there was an interesting one in our preseason game, sort of like that. And I went and looked it up, and what happened was Matthew Curcia of Wheeling cleanly checks a guy, but it was pretty big check um and then uh from cincinnati excuse me and then cincinnati's malcolm hayes comes and immediately was like okay we got to go now and they fight and hayes gets an instigator for it and right which is also sort of weird like like i don't know if he instigated it but instigator rules kind of suspect in a lot of well and i think that's his point is like this is an example of what they're trying to kind of get rid of yeah and i was like I don't know. There was a couple different like areas of it that felt strange. Like, I, you know, I kind of see what Mickey Redmond saying, like, why you gotta go fight a guy because your teammate got hit cleanly. Like, why are we getting well, to that? But if you do like, is, should it be an instigator? Because Corsia, as soon as he, like, I guess this was weird. As soon as he laid the hit, he's kind of like, Oh, I guess I'm going to have to fight now. 
It's like, why? You just hit a guy. Like, you did what you're supposed to do. You shouldn't mm-hmm. immediately have to fight somebody. So maybe it should have been an instigate. I don't know. Do you want to talk for an hour and a half? Because you're opening up a can of worms here. I could go all day. Yeah, I know. I guess, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know my feelings. Like, I, I know, think fighting I know. is important. I'm okay with getting rid of the dirty stuff. I don't want to be like, I hate headhunting. Like, I'll be the first one to be like, hits from behind. You know, I was an official. Like, you know, I hate stuff like that. But a good, clean fight where both guys are willing to do it, like, I just personally don't see who's hurt by that, except for their brains. Yeah, and those are important. All yeah, right. If you want to bring in CTE, then then I got there's nothing I could say about that. If we that start is- going CTE, then that's how you'd have to shut me up. <laughs> Speaking of brains, mine needs a rest. So we'll end it right here with that. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. By then, the regular season will be underway. And we'll be into the first week of action with our usual segments. Thanks so much for listening, guys.